This is Gordon Vernick with Jazz Insights. Today I would like to continue with the music of Stan Getz, in particular the music that he recorded after his period of living in Denmark and Sweden in the late 50s and early 60s. So we're going to concentrate on the music from 1961 on. In 1958, Stan Getz moved to Denmark. That, that was a period when uh, Miles Davis recorded Kind of Blue, uh, Ornette Coleman recorded something else, John Coltrane, Charles Mingus, and it was a, a very important transitional period in, in American jazz, and, and Stan Getz was living in Europe, playing with um, European jazz musicians who really were not at the level of the musicians in New York at this time. He decided in 1960 he was going to come back to the country because he felt that, you know, people were forgetting about him. He had three things that he really wanted to accomplish when he came back in 61. Well, the first thing was to renew his relationship with Bob Brookmeyer, the great composer and valve trombonist. The second thing was to form a wonderful quartet, and that quartet actually included um, Steve Kuhn and Scott LaFaro. And then the other thing, which was probably the most important, was he wanted to collaborate with Eddie Sauter, who was a great composer and arranger, and he commissioned Eddie to write a string piece. Um, and of course, this um, eventually took the shape of the album Focus, which in my opinion is one of the great, great album jazz albums of all time. There's a couple of things that happened in Stan's life which really add a lot of drama to this recording. Um, he had been recording with um, this young bassist named Scott LaFaro, who was playing with Bill Evans, but um, LaFaro and Getz's relationship go back um, actually to 1957 and 58. Tragically, Scott LaFaro had passed away in a car accident in July of 1961, right before he was supposed to um, record this record, Focus. So that, that tragedy had a great impact, and Stan's mother passed away right before this record was made. So he had a lot on his mind um, going into the studio. So Stan commissioned Eddie Sauter to write this work, and it's for string orchestra. Eddie did not write any directions or melodies or um, didn't instruct Stan to do anything in the manuscript. So in other words, Stan went into the studio and just made up his parts on the spot. And that's what another thing is so amazing about Focus. Another thing that's amazing about it is on July 14th, when Stan was mourning the death of his mother, he missed the first recording session for the record. So they recorded the string parts. On July 28th, Stan went into the studio, recorded all seven movements. Four of them were pre-recorded, so he put the headphones on and just played along with the string orchestra. Um, the remaining three pieces were recorded live in the studio. The only one that has a jazz instrument on it is um, I'm Late, and which featured Roy Haynes on drums. And this is 1961, so Stan is feeling the pressure of all the changes in jazz from modal music to free music, and he really wants to reacclimate himself to the jazz scene. So we're going to start with one of my favorite pieces from Focus. This is called I'm Late. It's with a string orchestra, and it really shows the influence of a lot of 20th century orchestral music, I would say probably mostly Bartok and maybe maybe Prokofiev um, in these pieces. So let's check out I'm Late, Stan Getz.
Now remember, these pieces written by Eddie Sorter could stand by themselves as finished compositions. What really completes it is Stan Getz improvising over the entire arrangement. There's one part in here when uh, Roy Haynes is playing drums uh, and Stan improvises. There's just the two of them doing like, almost like a free jazz thing. There is a tonal center, but it's very interesting. Let's just check out Roy Haynes playing drums and Stan on this track called I'm Late. takes of that piece and both of them were so good that they just spliced them together. Of course this is on the Verve label which had been sold by Norman Granz to MGM and the new producer was a man by the name of Creed Taylor who later in the late 60s and early 70s is going to produce some of the great great jazz albums of that period. From the same record is one of the most gorgeous ballads um, I've ever heard. Actually, it's just a background and extemporaneously Stan Getz improvises this gorgeous ballad. This is called Her. It was dedicated to his mother who had just recently passed away. Her from Focus. I believe it was late 1961, a guitarist by the name of Charlie Bird uh, went down to Brazil and did a series of concerts. Now, Charlie Bird was a, a jazz-slash-classical guitarist, um, very well-known on the jazz scene. And when he was in Brazil, he met some very famous Brazilian musicians, um, Antonio Carlos Jobim, Joe Gilberto, uh, Luis Bonfa, um, who were really instrumental in formulating or pioneering a Brazilian style of jazz. It was called Bossa Nova. Very little of that was known in the States, but Charlie Bird was really taken with his music, brought some recordings back to Stan Getz and Stan liked the music and they eventually collaborated um, on a record called Jazz Samba in 1962 and the record was was a tremendous hit featured compositions mostly by Antonio Carlos Jobim who was really one of the architects of this style known as Bossa Nova and Louis Bonfa one of the most famous tracks from this record is a piece written by Jobim called Desafinado which is a um, 
monumentally long composition. Think about bossa nova music. It combines, you know, traditional samba, although a little bit different rhythm, with uh, cool jazz. Harmonically, um, very, very co complex and very sophisticated. This track called Desafinado was released in 1962 and was a big hit. So we're going to listen to Stan play the melody. Now, he really doesn't improvise a chorus over the form of the song. What he does is he plays the melody, then Charlie um, Bird plays a, a short solo based on a vamp, and then Stan comes in and plays over a vamp, which is a short, repeated part of the song and just kind of gets it going. And then he loosely paraphrases the melody for the rest of it. So check this out. This really kind of set the stage for the popularity of bossa nova music. So we're going to pick up the recording about three minutes and 40 seconds into it, and we'll hear Stan play a short improvised solo based on, I believe, like a, a two-measure repeated section of the song, and then he's going to loosely paraphrase the melody. success of this 1962 album called Jazz Samba, Stan gets um, recorded uh, two subsequent records of Bossa Nova. Um, the most successful was called Getz Gilberto, which was recorded in 1963. So the backstory on this is that Getz wanted to play with Brazilian musicians, Jobim and uh, Joe Gilberto. They come up to uh, New York and he makes these uh, recordings. One of the songs that um, Jobim had written was called A Girl from Ipanema. And they had no idea the impact this song would, ha would have on jazz or, or American popular music at the time. So the track opens with Gilberto singing the melody in Portuguese. I remember as a child on AM radio listening to this recording because it, it was a crossover hit. On the commercially released record, they did not have Portuguese. With all the 
Brazilian musicians who were in the studio, no one could speak English except for Astrid Gilberto, Joe Gilberto's wife. Stan said to her, says, why don't you sing the melody in English? And Joe Gilberto was like, she, she's not a professional singer. She, she can't do this. And, she, and they convinced um, her, and she sang the melody. And, and she's got a very kind of small... Um, almost kind of a mousy voice, but there's a certain charm to the way she sings it in English. And that's the song that was released um, in American popular music. We're going to start with Joe singing it in Portuguese, switch over to Astrid singing it in English, and then Stan's monumental solo on this really um, uh, reestablished him as one of the premier jazz musicians in the world. Jazz Insights with Dr. Gordon Vernick. Visit me on the web at gordonvernick.com. Jazz Insights is produced by WMLB AM 1690, the voice of the arts in Atlanta, Georgia.